The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. And welcome to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast, brought to you by SJP World Media. My name is Sai, and joining me as always as we bounce back and forth along a man's timeline, helping people, putting right what went wrong, is my partner in time, Mr. Benny Mac. How are you today, sir? Slightly hungover from the Royal Rumble, but other than that, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I've been looking forward to doing it. I know we've lagged behind a little bit on these, but you know we're getting there. And uh, oh, mate, today's episode—I um, think being older, uh, having kids as well—it uh, changes the way you look at it a bit more. I think as well. Oh yes. So when I watched it the first time, I was probably probably about the same age as the lad. Uh, is it Kevin in this? Kevin, yes. So um, you know, it your life experience and just being older adds a bit more depth to the story for me now, if that makes yeah. any sense. So. No, no, totally. I totally get where you're coming from. Yes. Uh, today's episode is season two, episode 13, uh, Another Mother. And Sam has leapt into, uh, well, basically as the title says, he's leapt into a mother, a divorced mum of three kids. Uh, this was originally a broadcast on the 10th of January, 1990. And, I'm not going to lie, mate. I mean, cards on the table right from the start. I think this is possibly one of my favourite episodes of the whole series. I mean, I know we normally do this at the end because of what you've just said. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's definitely... I mean, I'm not saying I didn't like it before, but after today's viewing, it is definitely up there for me now. Mm. 100%. Is a, there's a couple of goofs in it, but I'm willing to overlook it, to be honest. It's just like... As per usual, there's a bit of music in it that isn't necessarily out quite yet. But other than that, for me, it's almost a, it's a bloody good episode. It's probably a better way of putting it, to be honest. So, um. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it, mate. I enjoyed it. Uh, the date that Sam has leapt into is the 30th of September, 1981. He is in Scottsdale, Arizona. And the person he has leapt into is a lady called Linda Bruckner, who is doing her best as a single mum trying to raise three children. Kevin, who is 15. Susan, who is uh, 11. They state in the show, don't they? And the youngest, um, Teresa, who I don't think we actually find out her age, do we? But she's around four or five, I think. They, that, say, uh, they say around four or five, don't they? They don't really say mm. the exact. But I would say I would say at the absolute most five years old. Because uh, the, yeah. the way she acts and stuff. Uh, um, yeah. About, yeah. Do they say? I swear they said they're eight. Maybe he's not. Then I'm filling in the blanks myself. I guess. So yeah. Oh, hang on. I suppose they say that that because obviously Teresa, the youngest, the 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 tiny little dot in the household. That she, I mean, she's very cute little lass. She's a star in this episode. Uh, She is Sam and Al. She can see. She can see that Sam is Sam, and this causes a bit of confusion for the poor young girl at the start, obviously. And and she can see Al as well. And they explain that children under five. So I'm assuming that's where we're getting the age from, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's uh, alpha waves in their brain, isn't it? So they can, but the way they put, the way they explain it to the viewer is they're innocent, so they can see the truth. 
Yes. um, Which is quite cool because obviously we have seen Al sort of interact with animals in the past in other episodes. So this is like the first time we see it where if they are, you're a child is a a certain age, you can see Al as well as Sam. They don't see the aura of the person he's supposed to be. They actually see Sam. Mm. So it put a different uh, dynamic on the whole episode, really. Yeah, yeah, it's very I, I love that aspect of it as well, but we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, Teresa is played by Troyan Belisario, the daughter of Deborah Pratt and Donald Belisario, and obviously the name Troyan inspired an episode that we've not long seen on the show as well. Yes. And at the time of filming, the young lass Troyan was approaching her fifth birthday. So I suppose that rings true to the sort of time of the character, the age of the character as well, Benny. Yeah, definitely. It's... um. See, I got confused because the, uh, the the other daughter, because we eventually, you know, when we get there, we'll see her again reprise a different role. Um, uh, the older sister, Susan, sorry, I'm trying to get the name out. Um, I always thought that was their daughter. Not okay. Yes, I got confused of who the actual daughter of the creators of the show was. So, yeah, it's, a t- it's only today that I've learned that, oh, so I've been wrong all these years. <laughs> That's actually, it's Teresa, a.k.a. Troy in real life, Balazario, and uh, Olivia Brunette, who is uh, who plays Susan, is in a later episode, um, which we're fast approaching, I think, slowly. I say fast approaching and slowly, and say it's an idiom. Uh, well, no, was it? <laughs> yeah, I'm muddling my words today. As I said, a few beers last night with the Rumble, mate, but I don't know when this comes out. It might be WrestleMania by the time this comes out, but it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, late night, because it's on until 5.30 in the bloody morning, but that's a different show. Um, but yeah, for all these years, I've been completely wrong on who I thought their daughter was. So. Oh, okay, interesting. Oh, fair enough. I mean, the the lady who played the middle daughter, Susan, she's actually gone on to being in loads of stuff. She's in, uh, bloody hell, uh, Jake and the Fat Man that she was in, um, Final Verdict, uh, yeah. NCIS, Sons of Anarchy, Dexter. She did a um, voice in Halo 2 as well, the video game. She's oh, okay. It, but she did do it. Um, again, because I because I've always all these years, even though I didn't look up her real name or anything like that until today, because obviously we're doing the show. I honestly thought this was Belisario's daughter. And it's oh, wow. not. Um, but yeah, she was in planes, trains, and automobiles, aka Uncle. I know it's not Uncle Buck, but you know that's his. I know that's not his real name, but I always refer to him as Uncle Buck. I love that film. Um, yeah, uh, she's done. Um, she's done some random stuff, to be fair. And um, the lad that plays Kevin quickly, it's only because I'm looking at it now. Uh, was in the TV show Blossom. Yes, that's so, what I'm from. Yeah, I just like I, I don't. I've looked. Obviously, I'm looking at him now as a picture. But according to this, he was a writer um, as well. But he's also appeared in films as like like uh, sort of background or maybe one line dialogues in in things. So it's always nice to see them sort of do other things other than Quantum Leap. Um, the only negative I got from it was the the mother who I actually I could could because they don't say her name. I had to then, oh, then I had to compare the character's surname with the other character's surname so I could find the mother because <laughs> there's no picture. Okay. Molly Meeker, her name is. She's done one other thing, um, according to IMDb, apart from Quantum Leap, and, and it was a film called, um, or she's a writer, no, sorry, beg your pardon, she's a writer uh, on something called The Hitcher 2, I've Been Waiting, which I don't know what that is, so it is in 2003. So <laughs> I don't know, you know, some these people that end, Sam end up being sort of taken over, half of them don't really go on to do anything else or they don't seem to get recognised for anything else, you know? Fair enough. 
Did you ever watch Blossom, or was that a bit before your time? Uh, it's a bit before my time. Um, I know, I know, because it's my um, uh, my um, Bayek who has ended up in um, uh, Big Bang Theory. Yes, Amy. And I, I always remember, I always laugh at this because when I found out she, because they mentioned TV's Blossom in like season one of Big Bang Theory, and then yes. four years later, maybe five years later. The actress who plays Blossom is now in the show. <laughs> it's just like really random that they did that. Yeah, I remember Blossom. My sister really enjoyed that show. And, um, yeah, before my time. One thing I want to say about this episode at the beginning, I don't know how you watched it. I watched it on Now TV. Okay. The narrator. I watched it on, I watched it on the DVD. Okay, so uh, who was the narrator at the beginning of the episode? Was it Deborah Pratt still? No. No, it was Lance Legault or whatever his name is. I don't dislike his voice. Whether I'm conditioned to Deborah Pratt's voice, which is more than likely the truth, because I think this might be the one and only time we have somebody else do the voiceover for the opening. And it's it's, it's actually it's, the if you're going in order of release uh, as we are on the, on the podcast, it's actually the first episode where we have the proper voiceover at the beginning. Every other episode so far has had oh, a very yeah, yeah, a, a variation of it or Sam doing a narration and so on. So yeah, this is narrated by uh, a gentleman whose name you just mentioned and Deborah Pratt eventually takes over that role, doesn't she? Oh, okay. Again, I'm so conditioned to Deborah Pratt because obviously she I, I mean, I, I remember watching the show, but you're right because in the season, season one especially um, Sam is like uh, in a monologue and it isn't it himself. So yes. what, how his experience is going, but eventually that, that gets taken away. And um, yeah, Deborah. Yeah, so I'm, I've missed uh, again something else I've learned today. Because again, my memories of Quantum Leap are so. I suppose you're sort of fixed in on the good stuff. You forget about all these little. I'm not saying it's bad, but I didn't enjoy this narrator at all. <laughs> because I'm it so. Jar- it was. I mean, the fact that I've made a note about it means that it's really noticeable. It's really jarring. You know, the fact, I mean, my note literally reads, "What the fuck is with this intro?" <laughs> yeah so it can't i don't know if this is the only episode that has it i think there's a chance that's the case i think we put on the next episode we might have something different but it may be him again i don't know but it, it, he doesn't do it for long because i would remember more of it if he did more episodes you know yeah i think yeah it's just weird because again i'm so used to even going back and watching season one with yourself not having the voiceover at first was weird but i got used to it and because we've just heard it the first time my brain is probably conditioned to oh why is it not Deborah Pratt? <laughs> maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah. But it was like, oh, okay, okay. Let's get to the start, please. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and the start is a fight in the kitchen. There is Kevin and Susan arguing over a Queen T-shirt that gets ripped in half, and Sam is having, well, basically his dress pulled by little Teresa, asking where her mummy has gone because, of course, she sees Sam. Uh, we also get the brilliant Blondie track, Call Me, on the radio, which is trying to set the scene, I suppose, for the time that we're in, roughly, I guess, Benny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's also in the end credits as well, isn't it? There, there aren't many episodes of Quantum Leap where it's a song. They do do it occasionally, but to having Blondie at the end of the show as well, going through the credits, mm. is, uh, I don't know whether we've had it had it much. We might have had Sam singing um, Dulcinea, maybe. I don't know if that was... Oh, on. yeah, yeah. But... Um, in terms of the ending credits, generally it's the Quantum Leap theme music, just the instrumental or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was weird. And I was like, oh, I, I'm pretty sure that's Blondie. I had to shazam it. Shazam it. I'm Sean Connery all of a sudden. I had to shazam it. And I was oh, yeah, it is Blondie. Because you know when you go, yeah, that's Blondie. And you go, is it though? 
It's like yeah. you go to bed and you go, did I lock the front door? Yeah. Oh, don't even start me off on that. Um, <laughs> you have to go up and check it. Yeah, and you get down there and you pull the handle and you have locked and you think, fuck, that was a waste of a wasted trip, wasn't it? But there yes. we go. That's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, the, the gist of the situation here is that Sam is, uh, you know, with these three children who are very different ages and different mentalities, I suppose, different characters. The main, I suppose, main point of this episode is her son, Kevin, who yeah. is 15, and he's getting, effectively getting peer pressure. And, uh, you know, we all remember what it was like to be 15 years of age. And he is in a... I suppose, social group or a group of friends or, and I use that term very loosely friends because his friends or his mates turn out to be absolute pieces of shit anyway. But yeah, definitely he is involved in this group and it's, you know, it's all lads of a certain age. Oh yeah. Well, I've done this and I've done that. And you it's know, all uh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's that whole thing of, uh, you know, even though they're only 15 years of age, being a virgin is seen as being this big shameful embarrassment and, uh, and all that sort of nonsense. And, and it's, again, it's something that, when I suppose you are that age, it's it's the be all and end all. It's it's your yeah. social group. It's the peer pressure. It's the it's the pressure of being in that social situation of yeah, that absolutely. of that time in your life. But whenever you look back when you're older, you realise it really doesn't matter. Very None pathetic. of that's important. It's very pathetic when you look back on it and you go, "Why did I care about that?" But you know, you don't. There's something we all, to a degree, go through. I would say in different mm. ways, but generally. You know, um, but yeah, no, but I got vibes of, because I think it's probably because it's the eighties as well. So I, uh, I got very, uh, big when, especially when the lads are sat down talking and all that shite, uh, like, oh yeah, you, you're just scared of whatever. Um, but, uh, I got vibes of like Goonies, like stranger things type thing. Cause again, the time period is set in the lads sat down. I, you know, at any moment I felt like these kids could get up and start hunting for a uh, pirate treasure, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, you're spot on the money. I mean, again, this is set in September of 81. Uh, incidentally, 81 year I was born, but yeah, this is, uh, this is when it was set. So old. Oh, shut up, you dick. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and you're right. I mean, I didn't get stranger, stranger things vibes. Cause I've never seen it yet, yeah. but Goonies I got, and the references they make as well. I think in this episode, they do a really, really good job of trying to get the atmosphere or the feeling of 1981 with the music. I mean, I suppose it's easier than some other times because this is only nine years removed from the release date of the episode. So it's not like he's jumping back 30 years or anything like that. Yeah. However, with the music, as you mentioned, Benny, there's a track by Cars in there as well somewhere, I think. Uh, And then the, the, the clothing and so on is always quite, you know, symbolic to the time that they're in, but the terminology as well. And and the things they're talking about the dog, for example, the family dog is called Wookie, which is obviously the, the, the race in star Wars, which is very much of its time in the, in the the early eighties. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the middle daughter, Susan is obsessed with Magnum PI, another (laughs) Belisario production, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Convenient that, isn't it? eh? Yeah. Yeah. Very convenient. Seeing Tom Selleck and, uh, you know, he's to be fair, Tom Selleck up to, up to a point aged pretty well. Then he got to a point and he just, you know, not that he's he just got older, I guess, but like he's the way he looked in Magnum PI. Even I've my only real experience of uh, Tom Selleck is probably, um, I may have seen like a rerun of Magnum probably in my life. I'm not saying I haven't, um, but like two men and a baby and then okay, yeah. and stuff like that. So 
in that footage, yes, he's a tad younger, but he doesn't look much different from when I saw him when I was a younger lad watching, like, say, like, Friends or Two Men and a Baby. He didn't really mm. seem... He seemed to age really well for about 30, 40, 50, 45 years or something, and all of a sudden it went a bit downhill, maybe, but <laughs> it didn't look any different to me than Two Men and a Baby, really, apart from his hair was a tad longer. Mm. So, but again... I think it does really well to give you the feeling of 1981. It really gets you in that in that mindset. And also later on in the episode, when Kevin wants to go out with his so-called friends, he's saying he's going to go and watch Raiders again, which is obviously the first Indiana Jones film released around this time. So that's you know again, it's just little touches that are just throwaway moments of dialogue or throwaway moments in, in the show, but I mean, it, it really does sort of place you in that year doesn't it yeah i mean raiders was released in um in the us in 1981 june 12th so it would have been out a fair few months but people go and you know re-watch films don't they and stuff like that because mm-hmm. uh, like, oh, there's a bit where he does like that samurai you must face her alone thing when sam has to try and convince this little girl that he, he's not there to hurt her and all this kind of stuff that must be really scary for that little girl but oh, he does yeah. like this um does like this samurai thing i assumed it was a uh, reference to Karate Kid, but Karate Kid isn't actually out for another three years. So I don't. Yeah. I, 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 okay. It was 84, was it? 84. Yeah. Karate Kid. Ah, okay. I'm getting my dates muddled up. I thought it was 85, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. 80, 84 was a good year for films. Man. Ghostbusters came out then as well. Yeah. It's, that's a bloody great film to be fair. Yeah. That's a separate uh, show again as well. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, some really good movies came out in 84. Some brilliant horrors as well, but yeah, we'll, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> You mentioned there as well, by the, by the way this conversation is going, uh, I think we're going to jump around the episode a little bit and just have a general discussion as opposed to run through scene by scene, Benny, by the sounds of it, which is, which is some, fine. some episodes are like that though, aren't they? Yes, know. yes, of course. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there about Teresa, the youngest, being scared because she can see Sam and Al and so on. And you're right. It must be absolutely terrifying. She's there and very at the very beginning of the show saying, that's not my mummy. Where's my mummy gone? And that's a weird man in mummy's clothes. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, this other dude appears in a green shirt and dodgy hat. The shirt is yucky. <laughs> yeah, so she says the shirt's yucky. Yeah, Al gets offended by this, which is brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. But they explain it away quite well, I think. And something that I really love about this episode is we get to see a real kind of softer side, a more uh, uh, emotional is probably the wrong word, but uh, yeah, probably probably a softer side to Al. Dean, because, yeah, Dean yeah. played it brilliantly because again, we uh, I think we sorry to cut you off, but like that was fine. Uh, it's the we've seen Al; he's very much like a as Sa- actually Sam says in this episode, just because you were a practicing pervert at five doesn't mean Kevin, you know, needs to be that way. But to, to see him be maternal towards, you know, um, Teresa and stuff. And you can almost get the... Because, again, we know where this is going to a degree. And I'm sure most people who listen to this may know where this is going. But, like you said, a very different side to Al. And almost, I felt, watching it this time, maybe it's because I know, but watching it this time, feel like it's the path not taken for him. And actually maybe at one point in his life he thought he was going to be a father. Okay. That makes any sense? Uh, no, no, I get you. I get you. Yeah, and it is good. They explain it away as basically being that they're, they're angels and they're there to help her big brother. Uh, they explain that he is in a swim swim meet, a swimming competition. Yeah. 
and they're there to help him win this and they're angels to do that and when they're done with their task that her mother Teresa's mother will return uh, however when Teresa is not in earshot Al explains the real reason that they are there that Sam is there is that sometime in the next 24 hours Kevin disappears six months later his clothes are found bloodied in an abandoned van and then that's when we get a cutaway to a crappy dirty rundown old van on a road somewhere and effectively this is our first shot of the nonce wagon benny isn't it <laughs> the nonce wagon it's your very stereotypical bad guy don't get in that van vibe when it's the first appears on screen it's you know it doesn't you know you immediately look at it because Sam and Al don't know why they they're assuming Kevin runs away uh-huh. for some reason. So they think it, you know they will get into that. But when you see this van, it is your very stereotypical cycles of the nonce wagon, which I agree. Um, but it's very stereotypical. That is a fucking dodgy van. This is not the A team. Don't fucking get in it. <laughs> Basically, if, I mean, if the A team drove that van, it'd be a very different show. It's the, that's the fucking Z team, isn't it? If that van. <laughs> <laughs> effectively we, we then not long after that that initial sighting of, of the nonce wagon we get kevin i suppose sat with his friends and they're all eyeballing girls as they walk by i mean they're, they're lads being lads so i'm not condoning it but it is what it is they're 15 years old they're chilling at lunchtime or break time and just sat there yeah like you said checking out girls and making conversations and basically taking a piss out of each other, basically, which is what kind of we all do <laughs> at some point. This is it. This is it. And then we we effectively then see the, the Jackie Arnett, who is a young lass in the school, who I get the impression from what they are talking about has a bit of a reputation, shall we say? Yeah, uh, whether that's, um, a, you know, whether it's just talk or whether it's true, we don't really know. Mm. she's definitely not a shy girl we'll we'll leave it at that Um, but uh, yeah there's but uh, I like this because they kind of I say like they don't like the teasing but they're basically trying to goad Kevin into like chatting her up or whatever or well another another way of putting it well when we used to say when we were a bit bit older was uh, popping the cherry and everything as you do Uh, (laughs) but um, what I like about it is that I, I was kind of stood there reluctantly at first i think listening to these lads because sam said can you keep an eye on him yes um i was like i don't want to do it but he does and he stood there smoking his cigar listening to these 15 year olds acting like they are 25 year olds they've had a bit of life experience and they've all you know become men apparently is how it's said but um yeah he defends uh her honor because they they start talking about her like oh yeah she's had the old football team or baseball team whatever they say and she, she, Kevin's like, she's not like that, you know. Um, yeah, he's got, he's got friendly with her, hasn't he? He said he, 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 she doesn't, she only lives a couple of streets away, I think. Benny, is that that's right? It. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So he's had conversations with her, and he, he's, he's, it comes across that he's quite sweet on her, isn't he? he? He's got a bit of a thing for this, this young girl. He's definitely got a, because he's quite a funny lad. Because we see in the opening scenes with his mum and everything, um, the way things pan out, he's got quite a good sense of humour on him. To be fair, but in front of his mates. He's almost like, weirdly, in that moment, whether, I don't know, because we don't see much context to it, but when he sat with them, he's quite quiet and mm. quite withdrawn, I suppose. Um, 
maybe it's because you feel like you said you feel yeah he he feels like he has to act a certain way in front of his mates to be yeah. socially acceptable accepted sorry yeah and it's that whole you know they're all talking about they they've lost their virginity and they've got this points system for you know conquests i guess and a challenge is laid down effectively I think they're like to, Dungeons and Dragons, which would have been a fairly big thing in the 80s. Um, yes. So there's that going on. And they're so oh, you can make wizard if you do this for X amount of experience points and all this stuff. I've never known it used in that context before. Mm. I do like the one lad that walks away and says, Joel, grow up. <laughs> I do like the, but he seems a tad older. He might be a year or two older than them, but uh, he's all grow up and walks off. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> to, <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, to basically, you know, <sighs> gain the approval of his peers i suppose yeah he has been set the challenge to basically get jackie into bed effectively is is what they're saying for him to do and he has to bring back some sign of his conquest um but the, the basic plot there going forward is that jackie gets convinced by kevin's friends to be part of this prank which is kind of the trigger for Kevin to run away, isn't it? I don't know whether he's necessarily running away, but he definitely runs out upset. So, and he just mm. makes, gets caught in the path of these people. But yeah, um, they, they're basically setting him up to, I don't know whether the plan was to get him to take his clothes off. Cause he's going to sleep with this girl and mock him or what the actual plan was, but it doesn't go well, does it? And um, his friends are dicks, basically quite a lot of them. Oh yeah. And I like the fact, even though he can't hear it, the owl does kind of go, like, he uses his singers, well, you ain't going to lose your virginity for another six years, mate, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I wish he could oh, hear Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> uh, actually, he smacked him down. Obviously, the lad doesn't hear him, but um, uh, Ox, I think it was, is the character's name. But, yeah, they're all like, uh, they're just acting, you know, 15 years old. I've done this, I've done that. Oh, yeah, my, you know, I got to shoot a gun or some bullshit and they didn't, you know, it's a, it, it's just one-upmanship, basically. Yeah, yeah that's, a brilliant, that's a brilliant way of putting it. That's exactly what it is, yes. Uh, after we see this initial challenge laid down, then we cut to another shot of the, the nonce van, the, 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 the perv wagon, whatever, um, and it's heading towards where they live because it passes a sign on the freeway that says Scottsdale, 62 miles. So we can see now that these sick individuals are heading towards where Sam and the children are. We think another quite, I suppose, touching soft moment, really, Benny, because Sam, as as Kevin's mum, can see that there's something troubling him. So yeah. tries to have a heart to heart with him. And it's done over a game of ping pong, over a game of table tennis. And it doesn't last very long because they're disturbed by... Teresa and Wookie the dog who are caked in paint and they've obviously made a mess somewhere but I think the character of Sam really does these moments very very well in so many episodes he got that awkwardness because he Kevin's 15 and two it's his mum so talking about the birds and the bees then we'll leave it at that <laughs> is it's awkward um no dad around because obviously they, you know there's this explaining there's a divorce obviously um mm. the dad's run off with uh, a blonde well they say blonde bimbo i think they say that but um or it's implied at least anyway so he's having a midlife crisis and buggered off and i don't know the maid or something i have no idea but um it's just 
yeah, like you said, it's a really nice moment over over ping pong. Um, unfortunately, it gets cut short, but the moment between them is really good. Like you said, I think um, the scene is uh, is excellent. And to be honest with you, I'll lay out some uh, personal stuff quickly. Like my dad buggered off when I was a kid, so to have these kinds of conversations um, while growing up was with my mum. So it hit home a bit more and then made me realize actually that <laughs> you don't necessarily need a dad in your life. It's good if you do, I suppose. But uh, in my case, my mum was kind of just, it was awkward at first when you're younger, but as you get older, you realize you can talk to your parents about anything. So um, if you can build that relationship up, you know, it's a bit awkward when you're in the teens, obviously, because <laughs> you want to do X, Y, and Z and not do chores. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but um yeah, I think it just gave me a bit more appreciation. It actually touched me personally, I suppose, in that moment, like realizing that I've had not over a game of ping pong or anything like that, but I've had similar conversations in different stages of my life from becoming a father myself and other things in my life. So um, although it was never 100 percent easy, it, it was I look back on it fondly. So it was a nice little, like you said, moment in time, I suppose yeah no i get you mate. i get you uh, and what i think this episode does very well uh as well is you have these moments sort of scattered throughout the show you have these little moments with the children scattered about in the episode and it, it is nice it is a feel-good moment you are seeing the softer side of sam and al and they're relating to the children and so on and it is it is it is very good but then it, the the switch just took just turns you know the, the flick of a switch and, and and the mood changes because straight after this scene we're back with the nonce wagon yeah. and we see the guys driving it for the first time and they're in the school bus as well at the moment that's what that's what i'm on about yeah that's this yeah. Is the scene and they're watching a school bus and this this was terrible because first of all they're obviously there for incredibly bad horrific terrible reasons secondly we get to see these guys properly for the first time in their dirty old van and yeah. they're proper dirty old dudes. They're nasty, stinky, unkempt, dirty, pervy bastards. And then they're looking at these kids getting off a school bus. And they sort of half smile at each other. And it's just, oh, God, this is horrible. But then the kids get picked up by a parent. And they openly show huge levels of disappointment because they've not got the opportunity to grab these children. And part of me, don't get me wrong, thinks that's a little bit on the nose. Yeah, it's not. It's not particularly subtle in the way that it's directed, or the way that it's written, or even the way that it's portrayed by the actors. However, I think that considering the episode is only forty-five minutes long-ish, and you've got these nice, warm, fuzzy, happy moments, to have this jarring—well, I suppose literal evil—in the next scene is a real good comparison. It's really cleverly written from that aspect with the light and the dark and so on. Have I made sense there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, happy, fuzzy, good family life. Why would this kid run away? Obviously we, we, as a, as a viewer, as soon as you see that van, the first time it's like, well, I don't think he's running away here. I think someone's going to nab him and ask without even having a dialogue between these two people, just seeing a creepy van, how it's, how it's, how it's explaining that they find a bloodied clothes in a van it fills in the gaps really quickly in your own mind. You can just literally pick it up. Then, like you said, the other side of it is, you know, a mother dealing with three kids. The husband's left. She's doing pretty well. She's got a real estate license. It's all going well. We've almost got like a, between the teenagers with, um, 
uh, what was her name? Is it Jackie? Uh, the the um, yeah, Jackie and um, Kevin. Even though it's been set up, it's got that sort of never been kiss vibe, romantic sort of comedy. Eh, not comedy, but you know what I mean, like uh, rom com types thing going on. Like yeah, they're trying to set somebody up for a fall, but ultimately it goes a different way and stuff. So, like you said, it's very jarring because you've got literally yin and yang <laughs> very clearly laid out in this episode. Mm. Uh, so you know lights and then oh that was a nice moment oh now a creepy van oh god what's going to happen and it's and it flicks back and forward doesn't it yes like you said so um yeah it can be the first time you see the van is quite but that that moment with the bus and the them looking again no dialogue no it's all suggestive um yeah some atmospheric music potentially on certain moments when you see the van and different scenes but yeah so for them to not say anything in the episode and again it's all it's all done on facial music and the creepy van and the way they're dressed it's all done by visuals um so again cleverly written and cleverly directed i guess yeah i mean you 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 struck on something there that didn't even enter my mind until we're having this conversation now to be honest we're almost ahead of sam and al a little bit for part of this episode aren't we the yeah. information the information they have is he runs away from home and isn't seen again. And yeah. then they find his clothes six months later in a van. But that's all the information they have. We see the van. We see it approaching where they live with the road sign and so on. We see them looking at the school bus and this scene where, you know, it, it's not particularly subtle, but it works quite well, I guess, and so on. So we're kind of... I don't think this happens very often. I don't think it's happened yet, to be honest, on the show. I don't think it happens again very often. I'm not too sure. But we're we're almost two steps ahead of Sam and Al with what's going to happen, aren't we? Yeah, normally. I mean, I there are shows that do it, but normally, like you said, you we're always missing, normally as the viewer, we're missing a crucial piece of information. Whereas this time round, again, they think he's being, he runs away and at some point ends up in a, van maybe hitchhiking or something but what we actually know is the viewer there's a some creepy blokes with a van scouting uh to kidnap somebody basically and mm. god knows what they do after that but well i think we've got a good idea but i, uh, I think we know <clears throat> yeah i think you're right i think this is one of the first few times definitely the first time since we, we since we started watching this uh this watch back in terms of the two series we're in at the, at the moment sorry but Rarely to any TV show are you, the viewer, at least a step or if not two steps, as you said, in front of the characters. Mm. You're, yeah, you're, it's quite a unique way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah, you're, te- you're, you're telegraphing in your head. Like, um, oh, crap, no, you've got to say, I mean, I mean, Sam does try to not to jump too far, I guess. I think we're almost there, but it, to, to the point where uh, Kevin wants to go out and, like you said earlier, to see a movie. But Sam says, no, you can't go. And he, Kevin throws a wobbler and goes to his room and does the inevitable, I'll sneak out the window. Um, so I think we think we've avoided it, but yet again, <laughs> something else happens to um, to change it. Well, now, whether that was happening in the original history, did she let him go originally? Or was he not allowed to go at the same time? I have no idea. <laughs> well, yeah, you're getting into stuff there that's kind of, I suppose it's, you know... It, what is the cause of what happens and the butterfly effect and all the paradoxes of time travel and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's a completely different show. That's a long, long discussion, Yeah, but you're right because this is the moment where Kevin says he's going to see Raiders with his friends. 
Sam tells him no, because he doesn't want him out of the house. Like you said, Benny, he, he has a tantrum and then sneaks out anyway. And Sam even says the line to Al when he discovers that he's gone. Oh my goodness, he's ran away because of me. So in Sam's mind at this point, what happens to Kevin may have been caused by his actions of not letting him out in the first place. Because he doesn't obviously doesn't know the details or exactly what happens in the original history. So Yeah. But obviously at some point he did go out. So yeah. <laughs> whether it was it, it, Sam could have acted the exact same way as Kevin's mother, and it's still you know, but he Sam's there to stop it, obviously. So no matter it just seems like in time travel stuff, you think if I go right, because if I go left, I'm gonna get killed, but if I go right I won't get killed, but then something over there on the right-hand side could still kill me. So, it, you know, it's cause and effect, isn't it? So just because mm. you avoid this one on the left doesn't mean something bad won't happen on the right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, spot on, mate, spot on. Uh, we know that he's not actually going to go and see Raiders of the Lost Ark, though. Uh, Kevin is nipping off to meet a young lady. He's going to Jackie Arnett's house. When he is there, Jackie, is, and she doesn't seem too keen on this prank, does she? And I think this is quite good as well, because it'd be easy for her to be the character of Jackie to be written to be a bitch. Yeah. It'd be very easy for the character of Jackie to be written to be nasty, spiteful, desperate for approval from the supposed cool kids that they're hanging around with and so on. She, but, gets, she gets promised, doesn't she, by the class president to go to um, Mardi Gras? And yeah, they've got like a big dance do on, haven't they? And if, stuff. They, if he's like going, oh, if you come with me, um, you know, you're guaranteed to be voted Mardi Gras queen or whatever, or you know. So she's mm. kind of doing it because she wants to be seen as the, I don't know, the Mardi Gras queen or prom queen or whatever she's promised, whatever the deal was. Um, so she's kind of initially got that, but like you said, she's not overly keen with it because she even says like, but you know, isn't that a bit mean? They go, no, no, no. He'll, he'll he might be mad at first, but he will find it funny. So they convince her that he's gonna have. He's got a sense, you know. He's got a sense of humor about this thing. I mean, I don't think anybody would initially, but yeah, she is very much. Are you sure? Are you sure? Um, mm. She's convinced to do it, isn't she? Um, I mean, she doesn't come across as a fully like good person in that moment, but she's also. But you can tell that she's got a conscience because she's like, yeah, but are you sure about this? Yeah, exactly. And and she says that he's he's a nice lad. She knows him and so on. But like you said, the I suppose the final straw in this plot, all these efforts to get Jackie involved in this plot, is the promise of being taken to this Mardi Gras, this, this dance. Um, and she's already told her mum. So her mum, I'm assuming, is very proud of this. And again, it all comes down to social circles and social standing, doesn't it? She's get, she's been promised to be this certain particular role in this particular yeah. dance. And I'm assuming by the way she explains this and the idea of having that took away upsets her because her mum has already been told and is quite proud of this. So it kind of yeah. is the, the forcing hand in the situation, isn't it? Yeah, we don't really see into the other characters' family lives, do we? We only see Kevin's. And we. I mean, to be fair, we don't even know the mother's name because everybody calls her mother, <laughs> mum, mm. whatever. Uh, for a little bit um i like i said i had to look it up on imdb to find out what her first name was um <laughs> whether it's mentioned in it because we don't really see sam slash linda at, um the only person she really he interacts with is al we don't see sam slash linda interact with any other adults really um so no. there's none of this awkward going on a date or anything like that going on so um 
yeah, it's quite hard to figure out a name apart from IMDb. So whether it's mentioned, I have no idea because uh, I think um, the, uh, Alice, uh, uh, Jackie, sorry, uh, calls her Mrs. Uh, Bruckner. So yeah, I was supposed to know her name. I have no idea. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, we then get basically the the scene that we're waiting upon, don't we? We know what's going to happen, and it's it's not nice, it's not fun, and it's it's bullying, it's it's tormenting somebody who is supposed to be your friend. Jackie is on the sofa, explains that her parents are going to be out until gone eleven, so they're on their own for a while to Kevin, and then she lies down. But this bit did tickle me a little bit, to be fair. Because it wasn't like there was a rug on the floor, or there wasn't like there was a, a something thrown down on the deck or anything like that. Yeah, she's on the sofa and she just gets up and lies on the bloody floor. <laughs> and I was a bit like, "It's a right. funny visual, but it's also awkward as well." Because if that yeah. happens, you're like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, and she basically tells Kevin to take his clothes off and come over here, and Kevin undoes his shirt and then explains to Jackie who he likes that. Are you sure? You know, don't you want to get to know me? Do you want to make sure that you know you like me first? Yeah. And Jackie says that doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. And Kevin then very, very awkwardly blunt from her in in this particular moment. I think. Yeah, and I, I think that's just a sign of the fact that she's just trying to get this thing done to tick oh, okay. off the to tick off the box of okay, I've done I've done the prank. I'm not happy with it. Let's just get it done and over with sort of thing i think that's the way it came across to, to me anyway do you know what that makes perfect sense now that you've said that i, I just found it awkward and mm. like cringy to watch yeah yeah definitely cringy yeah, yeah. Um, but her motivation is clear i guess in terms of she's doing this to get something she wants further down the line so yeah that makes begrudgingly sense. doing this i would begrudgingly, say yeah that's a good way of putting it but she she basically says to kevin that to come and join her and so on and kevin in a real moment of uh, I suppose opening himself up a, a real, you know, um, opening his emotions to, to, to Jackie explains, well, the, the, the two lines that stand out are that he is a virgin and he doesn't really know what to do. Yeah. And this is a real, it, it really opens him up in the, you know, he's, he's basically incredibly emotionally defenseless at this stage. He's, you know, he's, he's in a state of, uh, really throwing himself upon her mercy emotionally. And that's when the fucking idiots fall out of the cupboard in the corner laughing because they've overheard everything and they're mocking him like, oh, I don't know what to do. They keep yeah. saying and all this sort of stuff. And you just think, you bastards, you know? I only got up and punched them, obviously, you know. But yes, it's that social thing, isn't it? Uh, it is bullying. Um, they think it's funny. Um, but it. <laughs> It's not, and like you said, he's very much emotionally crushed. And you can see on the um, the lad who plays, uh, so Michael, his real name is, uh, so Kevin is completely, utterly crushed in this mm. moment. He is like it's it's all over his face. It's, um the way the the actor portrays it is perfect. He's completely crushed because it's the girl he likes, and supposedly his friends, uh, all in that moment, have seen him. You know, at his most vulnerable. In a sense of, I mean, luckily, he's only like unbuttoned his shirt and got it slightly off. So he's not like freaking stood there, like start naked or anything. But yeah. to admit, admit that to somebody you like and then literally be freaking slapped in the face is uh, very emotionally 
harsh, basically. You're spot on there because I was frantically searching for the right term, but I couldn't get it. And and you've had it there. It's an emotional vulnerability. He was very vulnerable at that moment on an emotional level with this girl who he thinks likes him and he likes her. And yeah, it's it's a horrible thing to see. But sadly, these things do go on when you're a teenager, and you know they shouldn't. And it's it's difficult as. Uh, as a father to think that your kids may go through any form of social embarrassment or any form of anything that would upset them. But you know, it's, it, it, it is just a mean thing to do. Basically. It's a mean thing to do. It's one thing you feel sorry for Kevin, like definitely hundred percent. That's the thing that goes without saying really. But also if any of those kids were one of my kids and they did that to one of their friends, I'd be so fucking disappointed in them. Yes, because I would like to think that I would. Yes, we all have a joke and a laugh. If we go too far, we have to be fucking grown up enough to go. I am sorry. It was meant to be a joke. I am really sorry. And all we can do is apologize. But mm-hmm. they were not even trying to apologize. They found it absolutely hilarious. Oh, I can't wait to spread this around school as well. So it's become from a prank allegedly. Now they're becoming malicious with this information, basically. Um, whereas Jackie is like completely mortified in this moment as well. She was already on, I think she was already on shaky ground anyway, as we already discussed. But when it actually happens and he leaves and he's completely crushed, she, she's really, so she's the only one who apologizes to, um, yeah. and to um, Kevin's mum when Sam turns up. Yeah, exactly. And you, like you said, Benny, she, she is visibly upset about what's happened. And she even says to the, to the lads there, you said he was going to find this funny. Uh, he's upset and you've hurt him and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Sam does arrive to the to this scene, and it's it, it's explained to him that Kevin's gone, and Jackie apologizes, as you said, Benny. Al and Sam then basically give chase because we then get a cut scene to, well, first of all, we get a scene of Kevin riding his bike past the parked van, and then we get the scene where Sam arrives at the house, and then the very next scene, basically, Kevin is gaffer taped up in the back of this van he's been he's been nabbed basically hasn't he yeah, we don't see the the abduction but it's obviously clear by that point that he's been mm. nabbed. and um you know one thing i did like quickly going backwards was when sam realized that he wasn't there he used out to try and locate him but then he couldn't just leave the house because of the little one and then he was like oh i'll get so-and-so from next door and I liked, I know it's only a little thing, but some shows they kind of do stuff and then you're like, well, what about your kid? You just left the house. Yeah. You know, so just having that little 10, 15 second conversation of like, oh, I'll get so and so from next door to watch her for me and then we'll go and find him. And, you know, you got to, you, you can't just, yes, you're panicking, you want to get to Kevin, but you have a five year old in the house that you need somebody to watch. So mm. again, it's only a little thing, but I think it adds. I think it just adds a bit more like compassion and a bit more to the story overall because you wouldn't be able to just... And bearing in mind, we're talking about times when mobile phones are not even a thing yet, I think, or at least they're not quite there yet. So, you know, you've got to literally be friends with your neighbours or you've got to know them or you have to find, you, you need to be able to buy a landline uh, or, or a payphone or something. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's why certain shows like that work, I think, because you can't have that. Like nowadays, Stranger Things, as much as I like it very quickly, is... If it was set today, they could just text somebody and go, yeah, bad guy's coming, you know, <laughs> and all call the police or whatever with their mobile phone. Whereas in the 80s, things didn't always work like that, you know, so people would go out and you'd know where they were. So, 
Yeah, that's. I mean, this is it. I mean, it's a long. It was a long old time before these these things were readily available. I mean, yeah. when I, my, my first girlfriend didn't even have a house phone. Well, there you go. So, I mean, we're talking. I was whatever, thirteen, fourteen, in senior school. My first proper girlfriend. And if we were to speak on the phone, she would tell me what time to ring. Yeah. And she would walk to the local call box. Holy moly! Okay. And wait outside the phone box, and I would ring the phone box from my parents' landline, so we could speak on the phone in the evening. Oh man, I wish I had one like that because the girl I had to call when I was a kid, her dad answered the phone. You excuse me, can I speak to? (laughs) (laughs) You had to be bloody polite. (laughs) You could just, you know. uh, Anyway, that's a different story. (laughs) It is. It is. Uh, Again, this is something that I mean. I've got three daughters. I've never experienced that because they've all got mobile phones. Yeah. So people can ring them and I don't answer the phone. But it is interesting when I answer the door and there's a young lad stood there. That's very interesting. Cause I'm, yeah, without I, beard you got, mate. Well, <laughs> I was going to say... Quite intimidating. Sharon, well, Sharon pointed out, my wife Sharon pointed out the other day that... Uh, well, not the other day, so it's a little while back now. There was a lad who knocked on the door for my eldest daughter uh, a little while back. And I tried to be very civil and nice so that I didn't embarrass my daughter. Of course. And my wife then told me off afterwards. She says, I don't think you realise how intimidating you can be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she, she said, you've got this big booming voice. You're six yeah. foot tall. You're, you're the best part of 20 stone. You've got this massive beard. And <laughs> apparently, apparently the young lad went away quite scared. But that wasn't my intent at all. No, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, it's good, though. I think it's good if they come to your door and they're all cocky. You'd be like, bye, mate. Shut the door. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we should practice the speech and the, the, obviously we can't say everything from it uh, for obvious reasons. But Bad Boys 2, when uh, Will Smith answers the door and the boyfriend's coming to pick up. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you know, we can't <laughs> use all the words in that. But I reckon. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, Sam gives chase to the nonce wagon. He's chasing it in there. A family big estate car, station wagon, I think it's called in the, in, in the US. And Al is with Sam momentarily before Sam basically says, go to him. And, and Al quite you know, rightly points out, well, I can't do anything. And he won't even know I'm there. But yeah. Sam says, well, I will know. This leads actually to one of my favorite scenes in it, which we're about to get to as well. Um, if you don't mind me taking over. Oh, uh, carry on, please. Uh, yeah, definitely. But so Al, like you said, reluct- not reluctantly, but is like, I can't do anything, Sam. Yeah, just I want you to make sure he's okay. So, that, you know, there's genuine care from both of these blokes for these kids and Kevin, especially in this moment. When that, uh, oh, it's so, f- it's, it's cringy, it's creepy, it's horror-esque to a degree, not in a sense of visual, in a sense of like blood and all that, but that guy creeping towards Kevin is just oh. scary. Um, but when Al... It says you better not touch him or something. Like, I'm paraphrasing now, but you better not touch him. I don't know how, but I will find you and I will kill you. And it's like we've got seen the sweetest side of Al ever in this mm-hmm. show so far with the little one. To like, I don't know how, I don't know when, but I will find you. And I he's almost turning to Liam Neeson from Taken, but I will kill you basically. And I, in a, and, and even though it's creepy and thing, but to see Al like very much, I believe Al in that moment. That if there was a way of Al finding that, if that guy was still alive in the future, Al would go to that bloke's house and fucking have him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I really 100% believe that in that moment. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I reckon too. Really good stuff from Dean Stockwell in this episode. I think he's he's fantastic in this this particular episode. One of his best episodes so far that we've watched, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, eventually, Sam catches up to the van and runs them off the road, basically. In that uh, Volvo, Volvo to the rescue. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Is it Swedish, the Volvo? Swedish efficiency there? Um, I think it's Swedish or Norwegian. <laughs> Scandinavian in some description. Scandinavian, there. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Sam then gets out the car. And I love this as well, because you forget, even though he's wearing a dress and a blouse and has these bloody massive earrings in, Sometimes when I'm watching these shows and I'm caught up in the moment and the excitement is building towards the, the effectively the climax of the episode, and you're thinking about the young lad in the van with these two sick bastards, Sam giving chase in the car, I almost forget that he has leapt into a, a middle-aged woman. So there's a brilliant moment here where the guy in the driving seat looks in his wing mirror to see what the hell is going on. And he's got to be thinking oh shit, we're in trouble here. We've got a young lad tied up in the back of our van. And he looks in the mirror and he doesn't see Sam get out the car. He sees this woman, yeah. know, suburban mother. Yeah, they, they use the mirror image uh, trick yes. in, the, in the wing mirror of the, of the van. It's very, like you said, subtle, but very effective. Exactly. And he gives this kind of creepy half-knife smile uh, as Sam or you know the mum approaches the van to which point i I audibly said out loud by the way sorry uh when that guy's smiling so i get out of the van i'm like you're about to get your fucking ass kicked mate oh yes (laughs) (laughs) this is actually you know a guy that's very capable of handling himself um you know he learns so no we know we we already know that sam knows um is it jiu-jitsu or karate or something like that so you know we already know sam's capable in a fight um <laughs> exactly now sam then approaches the van and the driver gets out and al says about oh yes they are here or something along those lines and sam then twigs, what do you mean that what there's more than one of them and the second guy jumps in from behind yeah so we then have sam as the mum being held from behind and the other guy comes across and could be slimy dirty pervy whatever and rips open the blouse now, obviously, this would be if we were seeing the mum, it would have a different context altogether. But we're yeah. seeing Sam there. So what we basically get is the obligatory once an episode shot of Scott Bakula with his, you know, with his shirt off or open. That ticks the boxes for the mums out there watching, I guess. We get we seem to get a, a topless shot of Sam, of Scott Bakula, at least once an episode, Benny, I think. <laughs> but again, if you were to see it from their perspective, that they've, you know, like you said, it's a different. Yes. But when you think about it, it's actually these guys are fucking awful. Like, you know, awful is not even the right word, but it's just, mm. you know, it isn't good, is it? But yeah, Scott Bakula kicking some ass, man. Yeah, and he he uses his what well, he sort of counters out of the one guy holding him and uses some of his martial arts. To which point he then turns to Al and says, "Wait, I know this stuff." And Al explains that he knows is it five different martial arts or six different martial arts or something like this. You know, what? I must have blanked that because I assume we'd already seen it <laughs> again. Well, I, I, I thought we'd already seen <clears throat> Al. Sorry, I thought we'd already seen Sam. Apologies. Using the famous Scott Bakula spin kick, which is like his go-to move, isn't it? Yeah. You know, have we not seen it till this point? It's because again, because we've seen the series before. It's hard to remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in 
in Kamikaze Kid, he strikes the guy. Oh, yeah. okay. He does I that. think he punches him there, doesn't he? he doesn't yeah, kick he does him. that. He does that awesome, like jump over the bonnet of the car, slides over it, and clocks in one. Yeah, okay. Right. So yeah. th- I think this might be the first time we see the martial arts. Then I think you might be right. Then there's me saying we've seen it before, but actually <laughs> we haven't. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he, he he uses his martial arts. He's pleasantly surprised to know that he knows taekwondo, karate, and, and various other you know variants of this, and basically beats the piss out of these two sickos and it's bloody fantastic it's um i mean he obviously does that and then he goes and gets kevin out of the van while holding his top together to reinforce that yes you know i'm in a you know people can see me as a woman basically mm. uh, kevin's reaction when he stood there like uh, <laughs> it sees these two guys and he's like <laughs> mom and he like, sam is brilliant he's trying to get in the car he's like come on and he's like Mum, how did uh, Mum? What the hell? Like, what the fuck? What's, how have you done this? And he's, she was like, oh, <laughs> he said, Girl Scouts. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about it. I was like, yeah, um, that is that was that was very funny. I enjoyed that. I hope they caught because we don't we don't see any of that after, obviously. But I hope they called the police and get these buggers locked up. To be fair, but see, that's the one thing that I am not too sure about on this episode. Yeah, these guys have they've obviously got a purpose. They are scouring various places. I'm, I'm assuming a distance from where they live. If they have any fixed abode, they may just be, you know, vagrants, travelers, whatever. They, at one point we see they are, they've driven over 60 miles to reach this town. And they're plucking kids at random, as we have seen. Yeah, I think they probably move on from town to town, don't they? Mm. So, we don't know what happens to them. And I'm, I don't like that. I, I think that is too much of a loose end to have left on the show. And for me, it's the one big misstep on this episode. I, I would have liked to have heard them talk about those guys got picked up and are in jail or yeah, whatever. I'd like there to have been, a, even if it's just Al looking at the hand link and telling Sam what yeah. happened. Or even just do a little thing of Sam saying, thank you, officer, and they leave the house. Don't have to have the conversation. Just have them leaving the house after the fact. So we go. Just have that little. I think it would, like you said, two ways of doing it. Uh, the easiest one would be Al's hand link. Second mm. would be just Sam saying thank you, officer, and closing the door. Yeah, just so we know that they they yeah. they've disappeared. I would, basically, I would, assume, I would assume they would have done that. To be honest, I'm not, I don't think they're to try and stop these guys doing it again. At least um, mm. they are moving on from town to town. God knows how many times they've done it. <laughs> as well so yes indeed um back home now sam has another talk with kevin over breakfast and basically it's another nice heart-to-heart moment explains that there's no rush there's no time limit on when you should be losing your virginity or anything like this and and, and it's the kind of talk you imagine a parent would have in that scenario and it's done again very very well by scott Bakula, isn't it I mean, some probably see it as a cliche, which it kind of is, but it's a great moment. Um, and it's also, I mean, it's in the 80s, but it's also bridging that gap because that, bearing in mind, again, we have to go back to the beginning. The divorce is some, it's happened. So this kid has had his dad around. He's 15 years old. So he's had his dad around since he was at least 14, 15. So actually being able to open up to his mum is a big, I think, you know, it's done really well. I think if you can talk to your parents is, general gist of it so um mm. but yeah like you said a good a good a good heartfelt moment which um 
you know, leads off to uh, Kevin actually coming back and giving his mum a hug before he goes to school, um, which we didn't really see until that moment. So, yeah, a couple of nice touches there, I think. That moment with his mum, and just before that as well, Susan, the middle daughter, gets up and leaves for school and basically stops and it, it opens up as much as you can anticipate to base or effectively says, Oh, I'm glad you're home. I've missed you. And so on. When all we have seen all the way through the episode to this point is them two bickering and arguing, which yeah. is what happens with siblings. I mean, my, my sister is two years younger than me. And now, I mean, I, I'm, I'm 42 in a couple of weeks. My sister is 40 this year and we are the best of friends and have been for many, many, many years now. She, she is literally my, one of my best friends in this whole world. But at the age of 13 to 15, or even 11, <laughs> 11 to 13, whatever, yeah. we we hated each other. Yeah. I think that's, so, that's right for most people. Not everybody, mm. but I, I want to say at least 90% of siblings, whether it's, your bo- whether it's a male-female combo, or all-male, or all-female, or, all or whatever, there's times where, because you're under the same roof all the time, and all you want as a teenager is your own space and to be left alone sometimes, and you can't get it because it's not your house <laughs> and all that kind of shit that goes with it. But uh, no, let's give one. Yeah. Uh, uh, so this moment here is, is quite touching that she's yeah. taking the effort. To, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We then head back to the school. I mean, Al, Al, Al and Sam have a quick conversation. Sam basically says he doesn't know why he hasn't left yet. And Al jokes around saying, well, we can't go yet. I'm having too much fun with Teresa, the young girl, which I thought was fantastic. Because again, it just, he had this little smile on his face because he's having a great time hanging around with the kid, which I thought was lush. Yeah, yeah. But he also explains, well, maybe we just got to wait for uh, Kevin to face his friends, basically. Yes, yeah. I like it. Al goes, your la- the thing goes off in the background and he's like, your, your laundry's done to Sam. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. That was good. That's something else we got to remember as well. He's in this, this role. He's not just there to save Kevin. He needs to keep up the, 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 the jewels the pr- of the house. And yeah. So he's doing yeah, yeah. the washing, the ironing. And there's a scene where he's, you know, he's carrying uh, Teresa and she's just like the bath and he's struggling to carry this child wrapped up in towels. And she's just there going, I'm cold. It's, it's, it's really good. It's just fantastically done. It, it deals with a really dark subject matter when you think about it. Yes, it is. But there's good comic relief in it as well, which is good. Mm. They, uh, she overhears them talking about, cause, uh, Alan, um, excuse me, Sam are trying to figure out how to deal with Kevin earlier on in the episode about talking to him about like, sex basically and one of them in sam's like, i'm not going to teach a 15 talk to a 15 year old about sexual intercourse and <laughs> Teresa overhears it and is like what's but she doesn't say it properly she muddles the words up i don't remember exactly what she said it's some it's something like a what's sexual outer course or something yeah, like that is it it's so cute man. It's hilarious when do, in the towel as well um because i think kevin calls a small or something and he goes i'm not small and he goes okay you're a dwarf then and then they have this whole conversation she's still in the towel that ends and then all of a sudden she goes what's a dwarf yeah <laughs> she's she's fantastic she's yeah, so she's good brilliant. she's brilliant she is brilliant um we then we then cut to the school and kevin is walking into what what looks like the the student mess or the the Canteen, like isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lunch or the gym where they all have lunch or whatever. Yeah, the typical American stereotypical. Oh, got to face the music, sort of teen because it's all lunchtime, isn't it, or whatever. So, mm. got to face your peers, basically. Yeah, yeah. So he's walking in, and he looks quite sheepish. He looks a bit concerned, 
his friends are there. Well, I say friends incredibly loosely. And they're saying, oh, here we go. We're now going to ruin this guy. Uh, um, and, you know, her virgin man is, was one term they used for him and so on. Not very, not very, um, not very comedically clever, are they, these lads? Not very inventive, no. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no. as he's approaching the table, though, he is kind of sidetracked, I guess, by Jackie. She jumps up and apologizes for what happened. And despite the fact that her mum already thinks that she has this other role approaching with regards to the, the dance, she asks Kevin to the dance. And there's quite a touching moment there where it's obvious that they do like each other, regardless of this prank that's gone wrong and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And there's, there's almost like the, the start of, a, of a, a, a very young, early relationship there. To which point, his dickhead buddies jump up, start pointing the finger, going, oh yeah, here he is, look at him, virgin man. And I thought this was superb. Jackie turns and says, virgin, you've got to be kidding. And then gives him a massive snog. <laughs> In the cafeteria, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so she, she, you know, again, she's the only one to apologise. Like I said, them lads just want to be spreading the gossip in uh, uh, you know at uh, kevin's expense basically so yeah nicely done um and i'm glad that uh jackie because you you could see it she was like you said but like we said earlier in the episode she's very much on the on the edge of w- not wanting to do this so for her to one apologize and to then do what she did you know supplanting the kiss on him in the cafeteria to like basically how he's not a virgin <laughs> but he kids <laughs> and not, you know it's good so he gets his kind of like haha screw you to the lads basically which is cool yeah exactly I, I thought it was good and again you said it earlier on with a certain moment that maybe it's a little bit cheesy a little bit cliche but i i don't mind that i want to see the happy ending and, i think it's done really so well to be honest in this episode mm. you know there are a few moments but there aren't many they're not not to the, not for where i'm sat here talking to you about it now that make me really go for why did they do that? There's none really that really stand out to me. I enjoyed the episode overall. So, um, you know, yeah, even though we have the dark side of it, you know, the, the, the good side of it makes it really good. I know you gotta have the story to move forward and everything, but the family life that Sam has to deal with (laughs) as a single mom, essentially. And, with the little one up to the up to, up to, up to the oldest and stuff it's just all good with crazy dog pulling tea towels smashing plates and you know really hectic so uh, like i said overall freaking great episode yeah yeah exactly uh we do get a little bit more of just dean stockwell as al being just bloody lovely really we go back to the house and al is using the hand link to bring up images of dinosaurs yeah. Teresa and she's naming them and sh- again she's just so cute and such a lovely little lass and here is where they basically say goodbye to her because Sam then twigs okay I'm about to leap so they have to say goodbye they tell her her mummy is going to come back which yeah. you know, obviously is going to make Teresa happy but then Teresa's also asking am I going to see you again and yeah. I'm not going to lie mate it, it pulls at the heartstrings it moment. does 100% I agree um, the images of the dinosaurs are really clever and as Sam's like, she isn't she a little young for that? Uh, and out, and then she says Tyrannosaurus in the way in a cute little voice, and then Stegosaurus, and um, was it Diplodocus? I think as well. The way she says that, it's either yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. I was like, and then it's a really like you said, it pulls at the heartstrings. Yes, and, um, Al is like, he promises. He, well, he doesn't really promise, but he does say, "I will see you again." But mm. <laughs> you know potential storyline there that could have maybe been followed up i guess but um 
it's weird because Sam also leans up and goes, oh, it's time. As if he can feel like he's about to leap, which I yes. don't think we've really had before. No, no, I don't think so, I don't think we get it again, do we? I'm not 100% sure. I mean, we might do, but I don't remember off the top of my head, so we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, a, really cool, a really sweet moment. Again, heartstrings, like you said. Mm. Um, and that's that. The, the blue light flashes. Uh, Sam departs 1981 and arrives in the body of somebody playing football playing America, the American version of the game. Yeah. Looks around and there's a lot of, um, shall we say, big jock types about to smash into him. And that's where the episode ends. So, first of all, before we rate this episode out of five, like we normally do, Benny, this is the, I suppose, the prelude, the trailer, the the, the teaser Easy. for the, the next episode, which is entitled All Americans. Do you have any memories of this before we uh, watch it back for next week's episode? To be honest, not really. When it came up, I was like, because we've just had American Frat. Now, I know we didn't have them playing football in that episode. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Have we? Is this, and I've got confused of what. And I'm, I mean, I am looking at the description a little bit. I'm trying not to read it too much. I'm actually going to click it off so I can answer the question that you've asked me. But basically, not really. No, I don't really remember. I'm assuming he's either in high school or college. But other than that, I don't really remember it to be honest which is the first i think okay i mean i've had episodes See, this is a bit of a role reversal i think mm. because normally i can't remember anything and you can <laughs> <laughs> but i kind of can if i'm thinking of the right episode and don't get me wrong i very much could not be i could be thinking of something from a completely different series a completely different show that's happened before but um <laughs> i think this is his he has to stop his brother or his friend or his cousin from basically sabotaging a big game because somebody is going to bet on the big game and he has to do it to help his mum pay the rent or something oh okay no it's not it's not ringing any bells at the moment i'm trying not i'm not going to look at the the description actually because it'd be good to Probably it's going. What's going to happen is I'm probably going to start watching. Go, ah, okay, yes, right, yes, you know that's more than likely what's going to happen. But for right now, yeah, I don't remember much if at all. I don't recognise. Like normally, I recognise the little teaser bits, like where the leaps, the leaps in and leaps out, and you get like, yeah. A, oh yeah, okay, that's coming. This one, I'm like, it definitely looks familiar, but I don't remember the context of the story of what's going on. Apart from in that in instance, he's about to be tackled by about five or six players, which he needs to throw the damn ball. <laughs> that's about it really mm. yes yeah I, I'm, I'm again i could be wrong but i think without diving into it because that's what we try and do on this show we try and go in a bit blind don't we uh without looking into it i think there's a slimy guy who is betting on college football or high school football or whatever it may well be and he needs a friend of sam's to throw the game and there's a threat on the house or the guy's mum or something like that. But we'll, we'll find out next week anyway. Uh, this episode, then, Benny, we've both sat here and sang its praises. There's a lot we've enjoyed. I mean, with regards to not finding out what happens to the bad guys, I'm a little bit disappointed with that, I guess. But it's a small thing. Out of five, my friend, what are you thinking? Um, I'm going to give you the answer because sometimes I sit down with you and I go, now that I've spoke about it with you, sometimes it's a case of I thought that was bad, and then I go, oh, actually, after talking with you about the characters and the plot and what we noticed, what we didn't notice, I, it normally increases my th um, rating. 
Okay. Or decreases depending on what the com- how this conversation goes. But to be honest, at the moment it finished, like you said, it pulls at the heartstrings near the end, especially. Um, I was like, yeah, five out of five, and I'm sticking to it. I loved it. I thought it was a bloody brilliant episode. I too have five out of five, my friend. Again, the the, the moment where we don't find out what happens to the the nonces in their van is a little bit of a diner for me, but it's not enough to ruin the episode or even enough for me to sort of, you know, affect my score. Al is superb in this episode. Scott Bakula as Sam is brilliant. I think all the child actors are fantastic, which sometimes child actors can be a little bit wobbly, but they are, they all play their roles very, very well. Yeah. The secondary characters of Kevin's friends I genuinely believe they're all dickheads, so they've done their job. <laughs> they've done their job, yeah. Jackie, I thought, despite the fact she's not on screen much and doesn't have masses of dialogue, she actually comes across as quite a complex character and there's a lot going on with her, so that was really well-written and well-acted. Yeah, same with Kevin as well. So yes. Are, you know, they are very similar in that sense. Yes, and little Teresa is an absolute diamond. She is MVP of, the, MVP of the episode for me. She is oh, freaking yeah. amazing. Absolutely superb. So, yes, five out of five for me as well, bud. Can't believe I didn't know. I thought was thought the eleven year old was their daughter, not the youngest. Of okay, yeah. <laughs> today. So you know, Troy Belisario, she has done. She's actually gone on to do quite a lot of other things as well. I didn't really mention it earlier because we moved on, but she's gone on to do loads of other things. Um, one that I've never watched it, but she did two episodes of Suits um, as well, and she's just done stuff like Jag in '98. So she's been. Obviously, her mum and dad are quite, you know, very much into their <laughs> into their TV shows and stuff. So she's yes. gone on to be a bit of an act. She was in something, uh, not something, but she was in 161 episodes. I don't know. I don't know if that's the whole lot of it. I've heard of it. I've never watched it. But she was Spencer Hastings in Pretty Little Liars. I've never watched it. Apparently, quite a good show though, by all accounts. Okay. Um. So um, I saw Suits. Well, the first few seasons of it. It was it was quite a decent show. Um, then kind of fell off a cliff quite quickly though, so I didn't actually finish it. But I saw Suits, yeah. She's uh, she was in two episodes in 2015, so it depends how far along you got with it, I suppose. I've got no idea. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I know there was an NCIS in there, but I didn't know it was any Law and Order this time round. So. <laughs> Ah, uh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> On that disappointing <laughs> note. Benny, put the sound effect in now, anyway. I will. I'll chuck it in at some point. Uh, <laughs> Benny, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find your good self online and then all of the bloody fantastic shows you're involved in, please? Uh, to be honest, everything else is kind of taking a back seat to In the Corner, really. But I'm on SJP World Media and I do In the Corner twice a week. Um, it's generally Wednesday and Sunday. I release episodes uh, with uh, with uh, Tyler. You've actually been on a guest now as well, which was really cool to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I had a blast, yeah. Um, uh, for us, that's a big deal because, you know, chain wrestling, like, so I, I don't know if you heard it, but um, chain wrestling's like the Monday Night Raw and we are like the Sunday Night Heat to your Monday Night Raw. <laughs> oh, I did hear you say that, yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you, you're, you're, you two are far too kind to me on that show. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, at Benny Mac on Twitter, B-E-Triple-M-Y-M-A-C-K and then at In The Corner WWE on Twitter. I do, so I do, still try and stream every now and again but it's just having time to do it so hence why i put myself as a part-time streamer i do like doing it um but to be honest trying to fit in two episodes of like raw and obviously this week as we record raw rumbles just happened so whenever there's a big show there's a lot more content coming out from myself in terms of in the corner so 
you know, but yeah, those are the two at in the corner WWE on Twitter, uh, at SJP World Media as well. You can find the shows and myself personally at Benny Mac, B E Triple M Y M A C K on Twitter. Fantastic stuff. I cannot recommend in the corner enough. If you are a wrestling fan who watches WWE, it's a fantastic show to listen to, to hear Benny and Tyler's brilliant opinions and breakdowns and predictions. Uh, if you are a wrestling fan who maybe hasn't watched WWE for quite a long time, like myself, it's also a brilliant show. I said uh, when we spoke on the podcast itself, I don't watch the weekly television in WWE. My way of keeping up to date with what's going on with that company is literally by listening to In The Corner. They fill me in on everything I need to know, and I haven't got to sit through five hours of WWE television, which is fantastic from my standpoint. But uh, it's well worth it, and it's it's fast becoming one of my favourite podcasts to listen to each week. It's a huge part of the SJP World Media Network. So yeah, I cannot sing that show's praises enough, Benny. I mean, hopefully I've got other things in the plans as you are, and I'm writing some stuff separately to and for another show that I really want to do. Mm-hmm. That is quite taxing to write for myself. Uh, so, because I need to write it down because I can't, like with Quantum Leap, I can sit here and talk to you about it because I've watched it and I love the show. And I don't remember everything, but I remember a lot about the universe of Quantum Leap. Whereas the other stuff I'm trying to do, it, it needs to be factually right. And I want it to be factually right. Yeah. So, yeah. To as much as it can be because of the content I'm trying to do. Um, that I'm hoping I get at least a couple of episodes out this year. Um, you know, but it's hard work, to be honest. <laughs> Well, but this is why uh, I'm really looking... We're not going to spill the beans now, obviously, because it's a little way off, but this is why I'm really looking forward to that project, because I know what's coming. And I look forward to basically anything that you you put forward or you release. It might just be like a limited series, like once a year, like maybe five or six episodes, if that. Yeah. Um, Because of, you know, everything else moves so fast. Wrestling, you know, it's just weird, because in terms of In the Corner, especially, I start my, my first show I put out was the review of um, Money in the Bank last year. So we are very fast approaching, I think in July, a year I've been doing that show, which mm-hmm. I've done lots of shows over the years and some of them have fallen by the wayside because either participation falls down and stuff, which is a shame. Um, but obviously with this show, I've got my confidence back a little bit with doing solo shows if I need to. But also I'm enjoying what I'm watching at the moment. So yes, I'm critical, but I try not to be like the full-on Dave Meltzer negative just oh shit. yeah i believe the term is hate watching isn't it yeah when you hear people when you hear people reviewing raw or or aw or whatever and they watch it and just slag it off it's like well if you're not enjoying well, it why bother watching it is the reason you know yeah. yeah so these are the people that get ulcers and hypertension and shit so don't do it <laughs> exactly exactly uh, anything i am involved in you can find on the network that carries this show that's sjp world media uh, you can find that on twitter and facebook at sjp world media and again anything i'm involved in is there so we've got shows looking at faulty towers we've got shows looking at an old bbc drama series from the early 2000s called murder in mind we've got plenty of wrestling content looking you know historic wrestling with nitro nights looking at wcw one show at a time chain wrestling which jumps around all over the place and also has a big segment of the show which is literally named the non-wrestling topic which is a great little community we've built there there's there's so much going on with the network brilliant hosts like tyler scottish danny benny himself here the guys in rsh from the states so much great content and more coming soon as well. So make sure you are following uh, at at SJP World Media on 
Twitter, Facebook, etc., etc. And make sure you are subscribed all over the place. So whenever a new episode drops on your podcast player of choice, you get a little notification saying that it's happened. And I'll tell you what, there's so much content, it'll happen quite a bit. So you don't want to miss something. But you can also follow this show on Twitter at waiting room pod underscore. That's at waiting room pod underscore on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so there we go. Bloody love this, Benny. Love this. Looking forward to uh, the next episode. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen, so it's going to be good. <laughs> Excellent stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to you next time, my friend. Time to leap out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>